<laughs> it seemed more romantic when I was about to say it. It's not. Um, but here's kind of how it works. If you're in these two front sections, this is the most administrative thing. If you're in these two front sections, you're going to come down the middle and go back out to your row. Okay? So you come down and out. If you're on, these, on this side, you're going to come down and then go back and fill back in. If on this side, you're going to come down and go back around. Cool? Everybody's got it? No confusion during communion, always a good thing. You don't want to be looking around for where you should be. Also, the first people, it's the most important. If you all screw it up, so Brian Leslie, like you've got to do it right. Or that entire row is completely out of luck. So, all right, that was super administrative. Let us re-enter. Um, Okay, we are in a series um, in the, basically following the entirety of the scripture. We've been reading through the Bible since this past September, and now we find ourselves in the Gospels. And as we are these seven or eight weeks in the Gospels, we're focusing on things that Jesus said. And we've looked at several things already, and this morning we find ourselves in a passage where Jesus makes a pretty amazing declaration. One of those unbelievable statements that, well, it was unbelievable to people even at the time. Uh, but more than what he says also is where some of the things we're going to see him do. And so if you'll join me in reading from the um, book of John, chapter 11, um, starting in verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, and Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said, Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus said to him, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we find ourselves with Jesus really at the end of his ministry life here in John chapter 11. And we're, we're confronted with the reality of a relationship he has with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And what we hear earlier in John chapter 11 is Jesus loves them in a particular kind of way. He has a unique connection, a particular love. It says that the one, when they come and tell him Lazarus is sick, it says the one that you love is sick. And so there's, there's a special connection. These are Jesus's friends and, and partners in certain ways that I mean, we don't have all the details, but these are special people to Jesus. He loves them. So we have this special dynamic, this special relationship and he, Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, and we leave this alone. He spends two days waiting and then goes on down to Bethany. And by the time he arrives, Lazarus has been dead, as the text says, four days in the tomb. So Lazarus is, is that's known as dead, dead. Like, really dead. Four days, you know, like, it's not mostly dead. It's, it's all the way dead for you fans. And so this morning, as we come to this passage, see what Jesus talks to Mary and Martha and then ultimately to Lazarus, uh, we're going to see three things. We're going to see that Jesus, uh, in Jesus we see that he is full of hope-giving truth, that he is full of wholehearted emotion, and last, 
that he has resurrection power, that he's full of hope-giving truth, full of wholehearted emotion, and full of resurrection power. First, we see that he's full of hope-giving truth. He, he looks at Martha and he says, and she says to him in verse 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Lord, like I, I, I'm pretty sure you've been healing people and if you just showed up a little earlier, he wouldn't have died. And there's this slight hope in her. You can hear this, well, maybe you could do something, maybe. In verse 22, she says, but, but even now, I, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I imagine Jesus was grateful for her faith. A lot of people try to put way more faith on Martha than she probably had in that moment. We, she kind of betrays herself later on that, that she wasn't going like, you could totally raise him from the dead. Probably not what she was thinking. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha, I got good news for you. Your brother's going to rise again. And she responds, no, I, I know. I, let's have a theological discussion here. Okay, I know. Like he's going to rise at the end when, when everyone's raised. But Jesus says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm it. I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me shall never die. Here Jesus engages Martha with his words, with, with just straight truth. Martha, you believe that there's going to be this great day, this, this glorious day when, when all the saints in Christ are going to be raised up at the end of the age, you believe this is going to be a radiant day, an amazing day where everybody will be raised bodily from the grave. And Martha, you're right. You're absolutely right. And here's the surprising news. I am the arrival of that day. Now. I am that arrival. You thought that that day would come with the Messiah. I am Messiah. It has come because I have come. He doesn't say, this is fascinating. He, Jesus doesn't say that uh, like I have access to or I'm, I'm connected to divine power here. He says, no, 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 I, I am divine power. He's not saying, listen, I, um, I'm connected to life. I have access to life-giving type things. No, no, he says, I am life itself. I am life. I am the spring, the source of all of life. I am God himself. One commentator said, Jesus is saying, the whole power to restore, impart, and maintain life remains in me. But he goes on to say, listen, Martha, it's more specific than this. I am exactly what Lazarus needs. And I'm exactly what you need right now. Yes, I understand. He's dead, and I understand you are alive. So let me clarify a little bit. Verse 25, whatever, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever believes in me, like, that's Lazarus, right? Though he die, <laughs> Martha, I got good news, yet shall he live. That's for Lazarus. That's what's important. But Martha, there's more. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's good news for you, Martha. You see, I, I will rescue Lazarus, body and soul, like from the grave. And, and the when it happens is not the main thing, Martha. No, as for you, Martha, you, you live and believe in me, and so you will never truly die. 
There will never be one microsecond where you are out of communion with me. And you know what this means, Martha? It, it means that I love you. This is me telling you, this is me explaining to you that I love you. In the midst of your grief, this is me declaring to you my love for you. You know what this means for your brother? It means that I love him. That though he is dead, yet I love him. And I will not leave his soul to see the pit, nor his body to see decay. I will raise him up, and I will keep you in everlasting communion with me. And I'm telling you this, I'm revealing my power. I'm showing you what glory looks like from me so that you will know that you know that you know that I love you. Jesus speaks hope into Martha. This hope-giving truth. And what he does is he takes on the, the direction of her heart and he, he intersects it. She's heading here and he, he just intersects it and says, we're actually going to go a different way. You've tried to understand this, and I want to help you understand it's bigger than you know. I am the resurrection and the life. This truth will change you. But Jesus isn't just the resurrection and the life, and he isn't just the one giving hope-filled truth. He's also holy-hearted, emotionally engaged. Look at verse 33. He says, when Jesus saw her, that is Mary, when he saw Mary weeping and, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he, said, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. With Martha, Jesus takes on the trajectory of her heart. He, he, he intersects her as she's trying to understand something this way and trying to make sense of it all and asking Jesus questions. He, he intersects her with truth. But with Mary, Jesus simply enters the trajectory of her heart. and He does so with tears. Now, you'll notice they both, they both will ask, if you read the passage, both Mary and Martha ask the exact same question. I mean, word for word, which means they were probably talking about this. It's been day after day where is the Lord? He, he's too late to save his life, but at least he could grieve and mourn with us. If you had come sooner, Lord, my brother would not have died. Now with Martha, Jesus is kind of unabashedly claiming to be God. With Mar Mary, he's not claiming anything. He's really hardly saying anything. The only thing he asks is, where's the grave? Instead, he shows himself as fully human to Mary and so meets her there. With Mary, he's demonstrating the, the mystery of his humanity as a man weak and, 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 and weary and, and weeping. His, his love for them draws him into their sorrow and, and Jesus feels the tragedy of the death. He feels the loss firsthand. It's poignant. He, he tastes the grief of losing love tangibly. If you've lost people you love, you know it is poignant, it is tangible. And Jesus knows that he enters all the way in with it. Jesus is the most emotionally integrated person that has ever lived. 
He's present to himself. He's, he's present to God, always aware of what God's up to and praying to him. And he's fully present to those around him. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Church, Pete Scazzaro invites us to be these kinds of people in the midst of loss and pain. He says, one learns the pain of others by suffering one's own pain, by turning inside ourselves, by finding one's own soul. The degree to which I learn to grieve my own losses is, the direct, is in direct proportion to the depth and quality of my relationship with God and the compassion I can offer others. That's Jesus. He's not stoic. Listen, he knows he's about to raise Lazarus, right? He knows he's about to say, Lazarus, come out, and yet he enters all the way in. He's, he's familiar with the reality of his own griefs and sorrows, and, and he experiences his own loss of Lazarus, the own, lo the own grief of the people around him. He's all the way in. He allows it to come all the way into his heart. Jesus is fully God and fully man is exactly what our souls long for. And therefore, Jesus comes in truth and in tears. Because in a broken world, we need both truth and tears. Now, some of us might think that it could be truth without tears will work, but it won't work. You know what that looks like. It's, it's come on, don't you see that just, just look at the facts. Everything's going to work out in the end. Is it true? Yes. It leaves us dismissed. Let's just get moving. Don't you trust God? Listen, here are the facts. Now apply your faith. And then listen, let your emotions just follow along behind, like a caboose, you know? Like maybe they'll drag behind. And by the way, be careful. Emotions must be mastered. They must be overcome or they'll take you to bad places. That's truth without tears. That's what truth without tears says. But tears without truth says, listen, who knows? Who knows? There's no real answers, right? We can't trust or depend on anything, any real givens. Who's to say if God's really up to something, if he's really here, if he's really doing anything? Everything we can tell, everyone's kind of just has to figure it out and work it out on their own. But I am here and I will cry with you. So feel the feels, all the feels. And don't worry about what's true or not true. It won't matter. But that doesn't work either. Our souls will just grow hopeless over time. No, neither of those, neither of those two works. And, and, and I think some of you know, right? Some of, us, some of us are the fixers in the room. We have good answers. And we're just not very adept at weeping and entering in. We give Bible verses to people, but we don't give ourselves to people. We just, we just want to fix the problem, fix the pain. Other of us are just feelers. We're not fixers. In our very nature, we're able to enter and just be deeply sympathetic. But we don't have any clarity. And the last thing we're going to do is intersect someone and, and like take them on. Like we won't challenge ever. We don't know, we don't really know the one who can bring the hope, and so we just want to sit in it. Just a couple weeks ago, actually a couple months ago now, I got a call from um, Pam and Daryl Flo. 
who, as many of you know, are in the midst of a battle of cancer with Daryl, bone marrow cancer, pretty intense. I got a phone call and they said, hey, can you come over? We just got some bad news. I had known that there was a diagnosis that was kind of on its way. We just didn't know the scope of it. And so they had me come over. And as I'm driving over there, I called Becky and I said, I'm, I'm nervous. Now you'd think, you know, I've been a pastor 20 years, you know, kind of know how to be in difficult situations, but I didn't know what I was about to hear. I love Pam and Daryl. I've known them a long time. I did all three of their son's weddings. Like I, I've been in their life and they've been in my life. They did our kids premarital counseling for pity's sake. So, I mean, they've, they've, they've been in and I just didn't know what I was about to encounter. And, and I was worried, am I going to come with too, too, much te- too many tears? Am I come with too much truth? Ah! They said they had questions, you know, which you never know what that's going to mean. And when it's really serious, it's really serious. And we sat there, we spent a couple hours together. It was one of the sweetest times I think I've ever gotten to spend with them. And, and one of the things that, you know, Pam had questioned, she says, okay, so does God number our days? You know, one of those real simple questions, you know. <laughs> yes. That's complicated, you know. So, so that's, there were some truth questions that were, let's, okay, let's wrestle with God about what's true. Let's talk about this. What does the scripture say about life and about our days? And let's, let's talk about that. Th- then we sat there and we just, we just cried. So I held their hands and we prayed and just feel our bodies shaking together. It was, it was this beautiful mix. And, and the whole time I kept just thinking like, Holy Spirit, like you know what they need. And that's what I just want to, want to say, like, the Spirit knows what we need. We're celebrating Pentecost. One of the things he sees the comforter. And sometimes comfort is truth. And sometimes comfort is tears. And sometimes it's a combination of both. And what we're invited into is to be people who, like Jesus, know who to offer what to because we're listening to him. Jesus always offered what was needed. Like, he gave Martha what she needed. You're not trying to teach her a lesson because, oh, he's going to be teacher now. No, it's what Martha needed in that moment. He didn't say anything to Mary because that's what Mary needed in that moment. And I think most of the time, like me, we, get a moment, we enter a moment unexpectedly or intentionally, and, and we're so afraid of doing it wrongly or looking badly or feeling badly that we step away from it and we offer neither tears nor, nor truth. Or we offer only what we would ever want to receive and some of you who, because you've been through major pain and loss and you've been Mary and Martha, you, you know, and so you, you have, you're adept at that. And some of you have been hurt. <laughs> the other day, I was talking to someone who said, I sent a Bible verse to somebody and I felt terrible. <laughs> and, and it was a great verse and it was connected to what she'd been thinking about and praying for them about. But, but it was this moment, it was like, I've been hurt by that before. People just throwing Bible verses at me when I'm having a rough time, you know, and and so it was overreaction, you see? When actually the Spirit of the Lord had actually had led her to say, hey, this is what I want to give. This is something that came to mind and he made me think of you. And so I'm going to follow. I'm going to listen to him. I'm not going to just do what's natural to me, easy to me, or what I'm comfortable with. Do you see that Jesus wants to meet us today? He wants to meet us in and through one another. He wants to meet your neighbor, your friends, your, your family members through and through you through the Spirit of God in you. That's what Jesus points us to here. And as Christ is formed in us, we become both truth and tears. We know what's true, what's loving, what's wise. What we see here is that Jesus, and in order for us to 
in order for us to, to be able to have truth and to be able to share truth and to be able to, to enter those tears, become those kinds of people, we have to be able to, to see Jesus rightly by taking in the fullness of who he is, not a partiality of who he is. He is both God and he is man, fully God, fully man, unthinkably high and incredibly low at the same time. My good buddy, Tim Keller, says this. He says, despite his high claims, he is, this is Jesus, he is never pompous, and you never see him standing on his own dignity. He is tenderness without weakness, strength without harshness, humility without the slightest lack of confidence, unhesitating authority with a complete lack of self-absorption unbending conviction without the slightest lack of approachability, power without insensitivity, enthusiasm without fanaticism, holiness without Phariseeism, passion without prejudice. Nothing he does falls short. In fact, he is always surprising you and taking your breath away because he's incomparably better than you could have imagined for yourself. Why? Well, these are the surprises of his perfection. You see, as we see him in his perfection, as we recognize that when we are entering into worlds of sorrow and grief in moments like this, that we come not with ourselves, that we come with him. That he is these things and then he's these things in you. And, and as you let him more and more so in you, the full God, fully man in us. And we see Jesus like this from both highs and lows. He draws us towards him, draws us towards himself. And he will give us what we need. Loved ones, he will give you what you need. And he will give you what you need when you need it. It may not be what you want when you want it, but he will give you what you need when you need it. We have both truth and tears in Jesus, and we need both. And we need it both from each other. And the world needs both. And so the question for you this morning is, is how do you need to grow? Where do you need to expand? It's not either or, it's right, he's full of truth and full of grace, right? It's not a, it's not a continuum, it's, it's two bubbles that actually end up on top of each other that grow together. So like, are you, are you like ablong, oblong? Are they separated? Are you truth at one time and, 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 and tears at another time? How do you need to grow? How may God be inviting you to change? Well, lastly, Jesus' resurrection power. Verse, verse 38 uh, says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. This is, this is fascinating. Actually, a couple commentators pointed this out that I've not seen this directly. And that is just the, the, the Greek language on this deeply moved. I think deeply moved and I think like really sad or I think just like really stirred up. But, but, the, but the language of it's actually really different than that. It's, 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 it's more like bellowing. It's, it's connected to anger. It's, it's indignation. Jesus is mad. And he's not mad at the people. That's some options, but he's not mad at them. You can tell by the way he's relating to them. And he's not mad at himself. I know he just claimed, hey, listen, I am the resurrection and the life, which would kind of beg the point. Well, for the resurrection and life, like, where you at? Where were you at? Life, you, you didn't bring life. You're not mad at himself. So he's not, it's not God's fault. 
No, he's mad at death. He recognizes that death is the sentence that comes. It's the declaration for all mankind of the fact that all mankind has rebelled against God. He's mad. He's angry. He's bellowing. He stands in front of the tomb, and as he stands in front of the tomb, he recognizes he's keenly aware in light of the magnitude of the rebellion of all mankind, that death is the sentence for all and none shall return, that there's only one way to obliterate death without obliterating everyone else. Because that's what's deserved. According to the law, all shall perish. But how does he obliterate death? How does he destroy death without destroying us? Well, Jesus stands at the tomb, Lazarus's tomb, and he's keenly aware as he looks there that in order for Lazarus' death to end, he will have to go down into death himself. That, that in, in order, the, the only way for him to, to prevent the finality of our funerals, of every one of our funerals, ultimately, is for him to bring about the terror of his own. It's the only option. It's the only way. And that's what the cross is. And so now, for the final time, at last, Jesus says, all right, take away the stone. As he stares into his own death, looking at, the, at Lazarus' death, he says, it's time for resurrection. And Martha objects briefly, saying, but Lord, there's going to be a smell. This is how we know she wasn't quite sure what he meant. Martha's super practical, but I love that girl. And Jesus looks at her and he says, Martha, this is the glory that I was talking about. What I'm about to show you, that's the glory. Verse 40 says, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? This is it, Martha. I'm the resurrection and you're about to see what it looks like right now. And so he stops, verse 41 and 42, and he prays to the Lord. And he says, Lord, I'm just, I want them to know that you and I are one. So I'm going to pray this out loud so that all of them know, what, all of, everyone who's here knows what's going on. And, and he prays. And then it says in verse 43, and when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came, I love that he doesn't even use his name. The man who had died, came, uh, come, the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the glory of Jesus. Jesus raised Lazarus because he is the resurrection. He's telling them to unbind his hands because he knows that in order for that to happen, his hands will have to be bound. Jesus is the arrival of God in history of his glorious remaking of all things and its beginning right there at that tomb. Loved ones, we will be raised from the dead. And we won't come out wrapped in clothes and clothes and smelling of death. Rather, we will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Lazarus is this preview. 
in the week or two before Jesus' death, this is a preview of what Jesus himself would do and ultimately what will be true of all of those who call upon him. Jesus is coming back to the earth in power with great glory. And this moment at the tomb, this story is just a window into that glory. Jesus raising Lazarus from physical death to physical life is just this vivid picture of what God does when he raises people from spiritual death into spiritual life. This is what he does. Through the work of his cross and through the power of his resurrection. And honestly, I don't think we could have a better, more picturesque imagery of that than we have today as we get to now move to an opportunity to have baptism. A declaration that indeed this is what's happened in someone. This is what the Apostle Paul says when he talks about baptism. Chapter four, chapter six of Romans, he explains what this spiritual resurrection looks like. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Did you see it? We were buried with Christ in baptism. That's, that's what happens. This is the imagery that we get to use here in baptism is that we literally go into the water as though dying. It's the imagery of that as Jesus died, we died. We come back to life because of his work for us. The New City Catechism answers the question, what is baptism? In case you were wondering. Baptism is the washing with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It signifies and seals our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to his church. Baptism is, in a sense, this initiation, this initiation ceremony, a once-in-a-lifetime act that both, as we just said, symbolizes and seals that we belong to Jesus, and more so that we now belong to his community, his family. And we do it because he told us to. He commands us to be baptized in his name so that everyone would know that we belong to him. And so today, we get to share in that joy that God has both rescued and redeemed his sons and daughters, and in particular today, that he has rescued and redeemed Michelle Horgan. So, Michelle, I'm going to invite you on up. I'm going to come down. 